RadioInfluence.com. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I'm your host, Vincent Hill, and I personally want to thank you for joining me tonight. As you do each and every Tuesday right here on RadioInfluence.com, there's no place I'd rather be right now at this exact moment than right here with you telling police issues, telling police cases, telling police stories from a police officer point of view, a police officer standpoint. And as you know, I've been pretty busy lately. Uh, I told you a few months ago I signed a deal with Ackerman Security to start doing some radio ads, some TV commercials for them. So this weekend I was out shooting a commercial out in the heat. It was very hot, of course. You know, Atlanta in the summertime, there's a reason they call it Hot Lanta. Uh, but, you know, I really enjoyed it nonetheless. The things that we're doing the final product that's going to come out of this, I think, will be beneficial, not from a financial standpoint, uh, you know, in my pocket, but just a learning experience for homeowners and how to protect their families, keep them safe, I think is very beneficial because anytime you can show someone, hey, this is how you can protect your family, then I think you're doing a great thing because, of course, in policing, the number one job in policing is protecting and serving. And just because I'm not a police officer anymore doesn't mean I can't still protect. And if I can show someone how to protect their family, I'm still protecting nonetheless. So not only Ackerman is that going on, but uh, last week, a uh, week before last, I was on Tucker Carlson on uh, Fox News, Tucker Carlson Tonight. And a day or two after I was on, I uh, got an email from vice president of a uh, television production company called Hideout, uh, Hideout Movies, I believe. Uh, and he's the vice president of Unscripted Television. So he emailed me. He said, hey, he's looking to start a new police officer show and he wanted me to assist on it which, of course, I thought was great because I've always wanted to land an opportunity like this to be able to either produce, uh, be the, I guess, quote-unquote talent or contribute to a real-life police show. So I called him up and we started talking about it and he mentioned, you know, like live TV, or I'm sorry, live PD, which comes on every Friday on A&E. He mentioned cops. He mentioned a bunch of other police shows that we've all seen, right? So we've all seen the police show like Live PD or Cops where it's just a camera guy, they're in the patrol car, and all they really do is show you the stuff where they're chasing bad guys around and guns are pulled out and there's car chases and everything like that. Well, that's been going on for 20, 25 years since Cops has been out. We've seen that, right? So I told them there's never been a police show and, of course, I was thinking a little bit of, like, Beyond the Badge. There's never been a police show where you actually show the human side of policing. Every police show out there just shows a police officer in uniform, 
again, in a patrol car, chasing a bad guy, fighting a suspect. That's all you ever see. But you don't see the real things that police go through. You don't see them taking their kid to daycare. You don't see them walking their kid to the bus when it could be their very last time they see their kid, which happened on the case I'm going to talk about here in a minute. You don't see those things. So I said, in order to really make this show worthwhile, you need to focus on that. So then he said, hey, I, I, I actually made the comment, you know, there's even a difference of policing while black, especially while you're doing it in the black community. So he said, Vince, you're really on to something here. He said, why don't we fo- focus on diverse officers and the issues and the things they go through while policing? And I said, I think you'll have a hit because not only is policing different than anything anybody else does, I can assure you policing while black, especially in the black community, gives an entirely different spin on the things officers go through. And that's not even taking into account the personal part of an officer, like the Arguments they get in with their spouses, the turning to drinking that they do, the taking the kids to the daycare, all of that stuff that makes a person human, people are not seeing. So right now we're in the process of reaching out to a few departments. I suggested Ferguson um, as one. I suggested Baltimore as another because, of course, we saw in this country a lot of riots, a lot of uproars, a lot of stuff going on with community and policing in those cities. But, of course, we want the show to be very big. We don't want it to focus just on one city. We want to be able to make this a national, and when I say national, not just because it would be on a national network, but I mean national across the country where we can go and focus on certain officers in those departments and tell their stories and I don't know about you, but I think it would be a great, great project. Project. I'm very happy and excited to be a part of it. I'm very happy that uh, this VP of Unscripted Television, that his girlfriend was actually watching Tucker Carlson and uh, allowed him to see me. So I'm, I'm very grateful, and I, I hope, no, 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 I know that it will do great things uh, once we get this thing up and running. Now, I I just mentioned about the personal aspect of policing and, you know, people not seeing an officer walk their child to the bus on the first day of school. Well, I don't know if you heard about this police shooting. You probably didn't um, for several reasons. A, it was a white person that was shot and B, that white person happened to be a police officer and C, he was shot by another white person. So... Again, it doesn't fit the media agenda of what they want to report. But I assure you, if the roles were reversed and the person that did the shooting was a police officer and the person that got shot was a black individual, you would have heard about it. You would have seen it. You would see the RIPs. You would see the hashtags. You would see all of the things we normally see during these shootings. But anyway, uh, there was an officer in Southport, uh, Indianapolis, which is just outside of Indiana, and he was shot actually 
14 times, 14 times. And the circumstances by which he was shot will shock you. So last Thursday, uh, this officer, Lieutenant Aaron Allen, he and the the, uh, chief of police were responding to a vehicle crash, a simple vehicle crash where a car had overturned. So, of course, when you're responding to a vehicle accident, the last thing on an officer's mind is the people inside the car, a car that had flipped over. You're not thinking that that individual is trying or going to try to do an officer harm because the officer is there to what? To help the citizen, right? So, Lieutenant Allen climbs into the vehicle that's overturned. And one of the witnesses, the other officer that was there on the scene, Chief Bowman, told uh, reporters and investigators that the individual, one of the individuals inside the car, this Jason Brown, 28 years old, was very hysterical and yelling and screaming. So uh, Lieutenant Allen tried to calm him down, at which point Jason Brown pulls out a 9mm and begins to fire. He fired so many times as Lieutenant Allen was trying to escape the vehicle. But, of course, if you're inside of a turned-over vehicle, it's not like you can make a very quick escape. So he was shot 14 total times. 14 total times. Could you imagine? You show up somewhere, and your main focus is to protect and serve, to serve, to make sure that the person that you're responding to is not hurt, they're not killed, they're not dead, you mean them no harm, but yet you're shot 14 times. This is what police have to face every day. Now, 14 times, let me break down Lieutenant Allen's wounds that ultimately killed him. Two shots to the left wrist, two shots to the left side, two shots to the abdomen, one to the inner left thigh, one to the right shoulder, two to the inner right arm, one to the right wrist, one to the back of the right thigh, which means he was trying to run away, one to the buttocks, which means he was trying to run away, and one to the upper back near the neckline. Now, I'm not a forensic guy. I'm definitely not a doctor, but I assume that's likely the one that sealed Lieutenant Allen's fate, that one shot to the upper back near the neckline, because that was right by the spine and the neck and everything else. I think his other gunshot wounds, although painful, may have been survivable, but unfortunately, Lieutenant Allen passed away just shortly after being transported to the hospital. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Well, the, the guy that did the shooting must have had warrants or the car must have been stolen or something like that. Well, that's not the case. There were no warrants. The car was not stolen. But the witness, the passenger, the other passenger inside the car said that the driver had picked them up at an apartment building. And shortly after they stopped by this gas station, Jason Brown gets back in the car and for whatever reason... He begins to drive erratic, very reckless, weaving in and out of traffic, which ultimately caused the crash. 
Now, this witness says they don't know why he was acting like that or driving like that. Um, did something happen inside that gas station that may have caused him to act this way? Did he do something illegal at the gas station and he was trying to get away? Um, you know, that's undetermined at this time. But what is determined is that police recovered a bag of marijuana with smaller bags packaged for resale inside of the vehicle. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's just marijuana. I get it. It's just marijuana. Maybe it's packaged for resale. Maybe it's a felony. Maybe it's not a felony in the state of Indiana. I don't know. But what I do know, and I'm just thinking from a police officer standpoint of what was in this individual's head to cause him to do that, is maybe Lieutenant Allen saw the marijuana, visibly saw it, but I assure you at this point, when you're dealing with someone in a vehicle crash, and the vehicle's turned over, and you think there's injuries, especially life-threatening injuries if you saw the car, the last thing on Lieutenant Allen's mind at that point was the marijuana in that car. Even if he said, hey man, I see there's marijuana in the car, have you been smoking? The last thing on his mind is making an arrest for that marijuana at that time. But if you look at court records for this Jason Brown, in 2014, he was convicted of misdemeanor, misdemeanor marijuana possession. Now, he spent 30 days in jail for it. Now, you may think it sounds silly, but I remember fighting people and people wanting to fight me over a simple misdemeanor marijuana charge or a simple gram of marijuana because they didn't want to go back to jail. So it's not really unreasonable to believe that this Jason Brown, who had already spent 30 days in jail, who had a bag of marijuana that appeared to have other bags of marijuana packaged for resale, he didn't want to go back to jail. And he had a gun. Now, the passenger, this witness says, he had a permit for the gun, which he may have. We've heard that before in the Philando Castile case, remember? And the same situation was there, even though people don't want to rationalize it. Because the girlfriend who live-streamed it even said there's marijuana in the car. And I truly believe that the furtive movement that Philando Castile was making right before he was shot was to hide the marijuana in the car. But I think there's even a little more to it than that. Because, of course, Jason Brown's friends, of course, paint him as this shy and timid guy that wouldn't hurt a fly. You know, the stuff we've always heard, even in the, the Michael Brown cases and in the Freddie Gray cases. And really, the only difference here is that Jason Brown is white and he's not black. But the scenario is the same. His friends are saying they're baffled because he wouldn't hurt a fly and he was the Sunday school, go to church type of guy. He was a tattoo artist there in the city. He had a three-year-old son with no extensive criminal history. He was, uh, like I said, charged with the marijuana back in 2014, where he spent 30 days in jail. 
But if you look at his social media page, just like in many of the cases we've seen, like the Alton Sterling and everything else, he's standing there in some of his pictures with guns and not just one gun. He's got two guns and one of the pictures that I'm looking at right now. And if you Google him, you'll see the pictures. He's got two nine millimeters with extended magazines out. You know, all of the stuff you see and, and don't take this the wrong way. Any of his family and friends that may be listening, all of the things you see from gangbangers and their social media accounts, this is what this Jason Brown was doing. Now, am I speculating that that had anything to do with the shooting? No. But let's be fair where we can. This is the same thing that people used in the Tamir Rice. I'm sorry, not Tamir Rice, the Trayvon Martin. In the Michael Brown case, there were pictures shown of them on Facebook and some, let's say, not church boy type poses. And it's the same thing here. Now, his friends are saying that wherever he stopped at before the gas station at these apartments, the country club apartments, wherever that is, I don't know, that something must have happened there to cause him to drive the way he did and act the way he did. Now, in my experience, when you stop at apartments that you don't usually live at, and if you're not picking up passengers, you may be in that complex to do illegal activity, i.e., purchase drugs. Now, let's add up the factors. Drugs were recovered in the vehicle. Now, again, I'm not speculating. Could it have been something inside that apartment that Jason Brown took, i.e. a drug, that caused him to act delusional, that caused him to drive the way he did, that caused him to see something else when that officer was in that car? It could be. I don't want to speculate. But what I do know is that Lieutenant Allen is no longer here. What I do know is that on that Thursday morning, Lieutenant Allen and the last picture of Lieutenant Allen from his family is him walking his son to the bus stop for the first day of kindergarten. Think about this and think about it for a few seconds. It was his son's first day of kindergarten. And it was the last day he ever spent with his father. The last time he saw him was getting on the bus. He never will see his father again on this side of the earth. Can you imagine how this kid's school year is going to go? Can you imagine how the first day of school will always feel for this little boy for the next 18, 20, 20 plus years of his life. This is the day he lost his dad. The first day of kindergarten for kids is just supposed to be this big, fun, happy place. You're going to go learn a few colors. You may go learn a few letters and some numbers. But this kid lost his dad. Can you imagine that? No, you can't imagine it because, again, most of us live in a world, we go to a job where we don't have to worry about those things. But for police in this country every day, 
That's the reality of the job. For children across this country every day that are children to police officers, that's the reality of this job. To spouses of police officers, that is the daily reality of the job. Now, for this Jason Brown, of course, if convicted, he could either get one or two things, life in prison or the death penalty. Either way it goes, he'll be in prison for a very, very, very long time. Whether he gets life or he gets the death penalty, we know how that goes. That takes a while. And there's no disputing that he actually shot him. There's witnesses. There's the gun. There's his DNA on the gun. There's no disputing that he shot Lieutenant Allen. But for Lieutenant Allen's family, whether it's life in prison, whether it's the death penalty, there's no justice from that. There's no justice in the last memory of your father is him putting you on the bus for kindergarten. There's no justice for that. It's not going to bring Lieutenant Allen back. It's not going to cure that little boy's broken heart. The dangers of policing. I've said it time and time and time and time and time again. There is nothing, nothing, nothing routine in this job. Police run to danger. He crawled in a car that was overturned, not knowing if the car could catch on fire, not knowing any of that. He just knew, Lieutenant Allen just knew that there were two individuals upside down, trapped in this car, and his main and only concern was their safety and to make sure they're okay. And what did it get them? Police run to danger just like they did in Dallas when a shooter was shooting at police. While police were getting everyone out of the way, all those people that were there to protest them, they were getting shot, but they ran to the danger. September 11th, police ran to the danger. That's what we do, and that's what police will continue to do. Because I guarantee you, and this story in the police world is pretty big. It's all over the police websites that are out there, and there's, you know, uh, articles about how to keep yourself safe in these situations after this shooting, but I assure you, I guarantee you, that any officer right now, contrary to what you may hear in the media about officers not being compassionate and not caring and not protecting and serving, I guarantee you, any officer right now in the exact same situation, if they saw an overturned vehicle with people inside that could be injured or killed, their first reaction is going to be, to save that life because the men and women in blue or brown or green or whatever color their uniform is the men and women in that job are the bravest men and women walking this country right now one of the things I've said and I said it last week on Fox is policing is even harder than the military because 
In the military, you don't have split-second decisions. You see the enemy downrange, you still have to get commands and orders from your battalion commander before you can take action. Even if that enemy is approaching you, you still have to get orders. In policing, the decisions you make in split seconds could either take a life, save a life, or cause you to lose your own life. There's no other job like that in the world. Oh, and for the record, uh, Jason Brown was actually uh, shot by police who were returning fire. There were two other officers and an off-duty officer that returned fire. Jason Brown was shot in the face and received, of course, non-life-threatening injuries, uh, but that is the least of his worries. He actually had his uh, initial court appearance today. I don't know the outcome of that, but uh, I know he's facing, of course, murder charges. And, of course, again, this is the least of his worries, the charge of the marijuana. Uh, But I'm sure at the end of the day, that case, that charge will be either dismissed, totally reduced or whatever, because that really, to me, is a slap in the face compared to what he did to this officer. To me, to even charge him with the marijuana is kind of silly. I understand it has to be done because they recovered the marijuana there at the scene. And I'm sure we can tie the marijuana to him. But uh, the bigger issue, of course, is the fact that he shot Lieutenant Allen 14 times for no apparent reason. I would really love to know what his thought process was when this happened. I pray that he doesn't try to plead insanity or some crap that will try to get him off. I mean, at the end of the day, you knew what you were doing when you shot 14 times. And when some of those shots are as Lieutenant Allen is retreating, you definitely knew what you were doing. So I hope that his attorneys don't try some ploy to make this less than what it was. He killed a law enforcement officer. More importantly than that, more importantly than that, he killed the father of the little boy who started kindergarten that morning. He killed the father of the little boy who started kindergarten that morning. And although Lieutenant Allen had over 20 years law enforcement experience, six years on this department, I'm sure, I'm positive, I'm positive. He would have traded that all in to watch his son grow up. I'm sure he loved the job. I'm sure it was his passion. But he would have traded all of that in to watch the little boy he took to the corner to get on the bus the morning he died. He would trade it all in to be able to spend that time with his son. All right, we're out of time. So, of course, it's time for the 10-7 segment. And, of course, obviously... The featured honored officer in my 10-7 segment tonight, of course, is Lieutenant Aaron Allen, Southport Police, Indiana. End of watch Thursday, July 27th, 2017. And it reads as follows directly from the Officer Down Memorial page, odmp.org. Lieutenant Allen was shot and killed after responding to a crash involving a vehicle that rolled over at the intersection of Maynard Drive and Madison Avenue in Homecroft, 
at approximately 2.30 p.m. Lieutenant Allen and a Homecroft officer arrived at the scene and began to check on the two occupants who were still in the vehicle. One of the occupants opened fire, striking Lieutenant Allen multiple times. The Homecroft officer and an off-duty reserve deputy from Johnson City Sheriff's Office returned fire and struck one of the suspects. The wounded subject and the subject injured in the crash were both taken into custody. Lieutenant Allen was transported to the hospital where he succumbed to his injuries. Lieutenant Allen had served with Southport Police Department for six years and had served in law enforcement for 20 years. He is survived by his wife and children and the child that he took to the bus stop for kindergarten. Godspeed to you, my friend. Thank you for your service. Thank you for giving 20 years of protecting and serving. My prayers to your family, my prayers to your son, who forever will have the first day of school embedded in his head that it is the day he lost his father. I want to thank you for listening. I will see you next week right here, RadioInfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. I'm kind of new to this government thing. You know, having been uh, having been born in Canada, I didn't grow up with Republican and Democrat. I couldn't give a rat's ass to be honest with you. Which one you are? I don't care. I look at different situations and I assess it as a uh, uh, as a human being, not as a Democrat or Republican. And sometimes that becomes inhuman at times because you got to figure everything. If you're a Donald Trump fan, you got to support everything Donald Trump does. And if you're a Donald Trump hater, you hate everything he does. How about look at every individual situation? Now, unfortunately for Donald Trump, <laughs> his situation stays funky. I mean, other than the fact that he can't get along with anybody. People, are, forget, let's not even make it political. Let's just talk about as a person. He doesn't get along with anybody. And he never has. Even before he was a president, he didn't get along with anybody at all. Like, nobody wanted to hang around with Donald Trump. And now people are fearing him. Not because he's a powerful man, because he's just snitching on everybody. Like, he's the most powerful man in the world, and he's a snitch. If you're the most, you're the most powerful man in the world, what do you need a snitch for? Why do you need to keep on bringing up Hillary Clinton for what? And he's just snitching on people. Now he's talking bad about Sessions, who we thought was one of the one dudes that had his back. He brought this other dude in now, uh, Scaramucci, who was straight out the Sopranos. Um, and he's up there talking about, I love the president. I love the president. I love the president. I love president Trump. And they have him on video three years ago talking about, you know, president Trump's an ass clown. So the whole thing is just, it's fake and it's getting ugly and it leaves a bad taste. So Trump hates sessions now and he's trying to make him resign and there's nobody left. Who the hell would want any job out there? to work for President Trump at this moment. Who wants that? To do what? To, to, if you don't 
toss a salad, you ain't staying, okay? And I mean, you better do it well, too, or, or you're gone, straight up. I mean, that's the way it's been from the beginning. Now, your boy, uh, Jared Kushner, who just doesn't look right to me. Like, if, he, if, I, if I had my fellows over and Jared Kushner walked in the room, everybody, like, the, the music would stop and everybody look over and go, who's that dude? He just doesn't look like he fits in anywhere to me. Um, he's one of those guys where I don't know what he's doing. Like, I don't know his title. Uh, I don't know why he's there. Everything that comes out of his mouth sounds just orchestrated. He, he had a speech the other day, a presser, and he read the whole thing, including his name and his title. Like, he has to read his name and his title like, like a robot. Like, I don't think he's allowed to think for himself. Like, I literally think that Donald Trump, maybe not Donald Trump, somebody is advising him, because I don't know if Donald knows that many words, but somebody's advising him what to say and not to say. Like, you say it just like this, just this way. And I watch this guy in a press conference, I'm thinking, these are who, this is who's running our country. And they had this big um, to-do in Youngstown, Ohio. And uh, everybody behind him, Donald Trump was loving him on some Donald Trump while he's just hating on people. Like maybe it's me. I don't know. But I thought that the president of the United States or the president of France or the prime minister of Canada, um, one of the main things is would, would have to be integrity, wouldn't it? Like having integrity is important. And that's obviously not the case anymore. You can find Ian Beckles' Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.